0: Hello, and welcome to the TBG Real Estate Podcast, where we connect you with some of the most innovative and exciting real estate leaders today.
1: We will show you that there are numerous
0: paths to a successful career in the real estate industry, and that some of your greatest missteps can be turned into your greatest triumphs. Without further ado, here's the head of TBG Real Estate, Chris Papa.
1: All right, folks, welcome to this episode of the TBG Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Chris Papa. And today we have a very special guest, Mr. Jan Smidik. Jan is a partner at JMA Ventures in San Francisco, California. How are you doing, Jan? I'm doing great. How are you, Chris? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so I am in San Carlos. I'm working from home today. I've been in the office actually a lot in San Mateo, uh, but working from home today. And uh, where are you located right now?
0: I am in uh, Oakland uh, and uh, been sheltering in place mostly for the last uh, however many weeks. I think we're going on seventeen.
1: It's amazing. It's been that long, right? Uh, I forget yeah. what it was like. I forget what it was like beforehand. Oh it's, man, crazy!
0: It's becoming a cliche how everybody you know references that uh, the the shelter in place started two years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah time but uh i'm glad you're doing well you said uh, earlier you went paddle boarding this morning which is kind of cool so it seems like you're an active guy yeah. huh
0: yeah i try to you know uh kind of trying to combine the shelter in place with some activities you know so uh, squeeze that or bike ride either before work or after work uh, at least a few times a week cool
1: yeah the bay area is definitely like a outdoorsy type of place. Absolutely.
0: That's why we pay the high rents or uh, high housing costs to (laughs) live in here.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Um, So JMA Ventures, uh, can you tell the world listening what JMA Ventures is? Sure.
0: Uh, So JMA Ventures is a uh, San Francisco-based real estate investment uh, and development firm. Uh, We've been around for about uh, 30, 35 years, close to 35 years. Um, and focus on opportunistic and value add segments of real estate. Uh, we're, I think, primarily known for hospitality and leisure assets. And uh, I'll, I'll mention a few of those in a little bit. Uh, but uh, we spend other product types as well. You know, we do pretty much everything, but for industrial, um, you know, don't do tons of um, um, uh, tons of retail. Um, but uh, other than that, we, you know, we're we're pretty diversified. Uh, We do like projects, which kind of goes back to the hospitality. We do like projects that uh, that combine um, uh, kind of operating aspects uh, as well as real estate, where you can really uh, create value on both the real estate side and the the business end of things, which kind of led us to to invest in things like ski resorts, restaurants. Uh, We own a marina in, in Lake Tahoe, and so on and so forth. So. Those are some of our more visible assets that we're kind of known for. Um, and uh, our geographical area is primarily West Coast. We have um, have historically had some assets outside of that, but uh, our kind of three main states that we invest in are California, Nevada, uh, and Arizona. Uh, the, the, the latter two are, uh, you know, fairly new additions uh, to our investment strategies. Um, and then in California, it's uh, primarily Bay Area, Sacramento, and Lake Tahoe. Uh, so some of the some of the projects that uh, your listeners might be aware of in in uh, in Bay Area include uh, the the epic and water bar restaurants on a uh, San Francisco waterfront or the um, Fairmont at Square. And then in Sacramento, kind of moving east in Sacramento, we um, a few years ago completed the uh, the Sacramento Kings uh, uh, doco development, uh, uh, kind of mini mini stables. Wow. And then kind of going up into the Sierras in, in Lake Tahoe. We own a few assets, as I mentioned, a marina, we own a lakefront restaurant, and um, a Homewood Ski Resort uh, as well. So uh, that's kind of um, awesome. this, you know, that's JMA in a, in a nutshell, you know, team of about uh, 30 folks across the three offices. Um, and yeah, that's about it.
1: So when you, I mean, that, I mean those are. They sound cool. I mean, if I was going to you know, invest in real estate, I mean, it sounds better than whatever, like a little apartment building in Timbuktu or whatever, but like, yeah, you got ski resorts and, and restaurants. I mean, that sounds like sexy real estate. I mean, do you get to, I mean, is there a difference in, I guess, the way you would invest in something like a ski resort than in an apartment building? Uh,
0: yeah. In, in some, you know, in many ways, some of the same basic principles apply, but in, in other ways, uh, you know we, we do focus on a business so uh, all the ski resort investments that we've historically had uh had both a kind of business operating almost kind of private equity component uh, but also a real estate uh, component so real estate development or some other way of um, of creating value on the real estate side uh so uh, instead of just kind of focusing on, on on the real estate aspects of a business plan you kind of have to dual track both the, the real estate and business so um, I think that's kind of the, the primary difference uh, and then obviously uh, unlike uh, certain types of real estate you know office or, or industrial you really need to think about the, the kind of the end consumer uh, and you' you're really running businesses uh, within uh, within your real estate so uh, mm-hmm. in certain cases we we work with third- party managers and in some cases we hire the teams um, and you know essentially the teams uh, on, on the property level. Report and work directly with us to execute the business plan. Uh, but you know, uh, it's a lot of similarities, uh, some differences. Very, you know, tends to be very uh, asset management intensive, as you can imagine. Um, and um, but you know, there's there's the fun in it. it it's never never a boring day. The the not the the variety of various calls I've gotten from our property management teams is uh, is stunning in terms of the issues that uh, that arise. So instead of the you know the uh, the clogged toilet or broken pipes that uh, the property managers on the uh, on the residential side get, we get the you know we you know a lift uh, is broken down or somebody got lost on the backside of the mountain, yeah. or uh, you know somebody <laughs> drove a boat into a marina pier. So it's just different problems, uh, but still solving problems.
1: That's pretty cool. I mean, I think you're the first person we've interviewed that's had like kind of the resorts. Uh, component to it, which is pretty cool. So, um, yeah. Do you do you do you get to like? I mean, I'm sure you have to visit the assets. It, it might maybe it's a little more exciting to visit the assets when it's like a resort than maybe like a C class apartment that, building. And
0: that, that's that's what I thought when I uh, uh you know when I joined JMA and I uh I got, got pulled into as you call it sexy <laughs> real estate. Uh, but as I as I often uh, often mentioned to to friends who ask me essentially the same, uh, when I. Before John joined JMA, you know, a little bit over a decade ago, uh, I I had a season with about sixty four ski days. Uh, my last season, I had about three ski days. So it goes, it goes to show that uh, you know my ability <laughs> to kind of leverage side visits as a way to have uh, have fun uh, has uh, has maybe not quite panned out, but. It's you know, uh, in in all seriousness, it's always obviously, uh, always fun to you know to be in places like Tahoe. But oftentimes, it involves the same same type of work that you would do
1: if you were visiting a multifamily building in Telsa. I worked in an ice cream parlor in in high school and uh, uh-huh. did not eat any ice cream, so I understand that. <laughs> there you <Yeah>. go. <laughs> so let's let's take us back to the beginning here. How did where did you grow up? How did you uh, you know what were your interests as a kid and, and all that stuff.
0: Uh, so I, uh, I grew up uh, in Slovakia in um, in Central Europe, and uh, uh, you know lived there all the way through through high school um, uh, when I applied for uh, for a program that is essentially uh, can I exchange programs uh, in the US. Ended up uh, in Pennsylvania, out of all places, for uh, for a year as an exchange student, and then uh, went back to Europe for you know to finish high school and came here for college and stayed stayed since then. So um, growing up in Slovakia, you know, I was just a regular kid. You know, liked uh, you know playing outside, loved biking even at that point. Uh, you know, like the outdoors, uh, loved books. Um, yeah, nothing, uh, nothing extraordinary.
1: Was your was your family involved with with business? I mean, did you always want to come to the United States? Is that you know Pennsylvania? Like you're like, all right, I'm sold. (laughs) Pennsylvania (laughs) hook me. It was uh, it was uh, Amish country, Pennsylvania, nonetheless. So,
0: uh, oh really?
1: Yeah, I'm sure not every kid from Slovakia went to Pennsylvania. How did how did you get that? I mean, was that your desire? You wanted to? You always wanted to see what was out there and explore? Yeah,
0: I was actually I was kind of following in the footsteps of my cousin who did something similar uh, a few years earlier. So. Um, I think that really kind of what sparked that interest and then once I had that experience you know I, I really enjoyed the, the US educational system relative to, uh, to kind of the, the memorization based uh, system that, uh, that I was uh, used to in, in um, Central Europe so, um, uh, so yeah that was kind of the initial spark. Um, and then, yeah, my family, uh, you know, as, as probably many of, of the folks that you, you talk to either here on the podcast or or professionally, um, uh, my family had uh, some background in real estate. So uh, my dad uh, still is a developer, but, you know, after the kind of the end of communism in, in Central Europe, uh, him and his brother started a small development firm. And actually... Uh, you know my i might trace some of the some of my interest in some of these more esoteric assets to, to back then because one of their first assets was a restaurant so my kind of or my early um i think I was probably middle school at that point one of my kind of early memories of um of actually kind of him doing development work is is going to an opening of a uh, of a restaurant um and so they own the restaurant and they developed a small hotel and so He was kind of in the the intersection of hospitality and and real estate at that point already. Um, And I I did not follow in his footsteps immediately. I ended up um, pursuing an economics degree, Uh, you know, thought I really wanted to do business, but ended up at a liberal arts school that did not have a have a business program as most don't. And so, you know, kind of picked the, the second best option, which was economics. And, you know, fortuitously I you know, realized that that was actually probably a better choice because I think that kind of provided the, um, you know, I think what a lot of people call kind of first principles uh, education, where I kind of really learned the basics of supply and demand and just kind of got that beaten into me where, you know, I can, um, I feel like I can now dissect any situation and kind of think about it in, in those basic first principle terms
1: yeah well you went to say we went to your high school in pennsylvania and then you went back and then you came back for college and you went to Mm -hmm. school in maine right yep um so definitely seeing the northeast and how did you end up over in in the bay area i uh, uh ended up
0: after after college ended up uh working in consulting in boston for for about four years and then uh I uh, had enough of the northeast weather, and uh, ended, <laughs> up, uh, ended up looking at uh, business schools, and landed up uh, landed in Bay Area uh, at Cal uh, for business school. So that's you know that's the reason why I moved uh, moved out of here, and as as, as many people uh, once you move out of here, it's really tough to move anywhere else. So stayed since uh, since then. So have have lived in Bay Area since 2018. So 2000, 2008, I should say.
1: So you. Had I mean, did you have an interest in real estate? Did you go to school to kind of get into real estate? Some people do that. We're like, oh, I'm doing one one uh, industry, uh, or did you just feel like getting an MBA was just a, a good thing for your career? How, why did you choose an MBA?
0: Yeah, uh, by the time I um, I was applying to MBA, I, I knew I wanted to do something at a kind of intersection of real estate and hospitality so you know i, I did think about kind of the the track and in, in kind of direct hospitality on a on a kind of operating management side uh mm-hmm. but you know by the time i was you know, really admitted and by the time i started business school uh pretty much kind of crystallized crystallized in my mind that i do want to uh do real estate and want to want to focus on on the hospitality and you know uh as a as a big skier wanted to to work for a company that um that is involved in the ski industry uh, it was something that mm-hmm. uh, I was I was passionate about even prior to that. Not just as a, as a skier, but kind of trying to understand how some of these uh, recreational businesses really work. Um, so when I was in business school, and that, that was uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So uh, prior yeah. prior cycle, you know, I was uh, naive enough that not only was I looking for a for a job in real estate, I was looking for for a job in, in recreational real estate, and ideally for a company that owns a ski resort. So really, really <laughs> narrowed my options down quite a bit. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, uh, being a consultant, did you? I mean, kind of, did you learn how businesses worked? Is that part of what being a consultant is? Uh,
0: yeah the the consulting firm I uh, worked for uh, focused on um, on economic and financial consulting, but especially in a litigation context. So a lot of the work we did was was to help some of the you know kind of larger corporations they were they were tied up in you know complex business litigation as an example where we worked on some of the antitrust microsoft cases um and essentially craft analysis that those companies could use in the um you know in in a, uh, in a court of law to, to kind of make an argument about why you know they should or should not be liable for certain damages so um so it was a little bit different we i did get exposure uh, to various industries and, and issues in them, but from a little bit, uh, of a different angle, um, didn't work on anything real estate related at all. A lot of the stuff that I did was, uh, was tech related actually.
1: Yeah. I'm just trying to make a connection between that. And like, now you're doing kind of like the private equity, yeah. you're buying businesses, you kind of maybe figured out a way to kind of think about breaking down businesses and evaluating them and stuff. Like yeah. That. And I mean,
0: and I think, uh, it, that job definitely provided me with a lot of the quantitative skills. You know, it was you know a lot of kind of quantitative analytical thinking and and doing you know big data analysis before it was even called big data. Uh, but in terms of kind of domain expertise, you know, I would say it was more of a detour in many ways. Um, you know, it was a very helpful detour, but it was not a straight line for me. Um, you know, it really, uh, I think that job uh, helped me realize that the skills I was using and the kind of day-to-day was interesting, but ultimately I wasn't sure how much, uh, you know, how much impact in certain cases I was able to, to make on a, on a business. Um, you know, oftentimes those mm-hmm. cases result in, uh, those legal cases result in settlements. And when that happens, you really don't know where, how impactful your work was. Uh, so it was, you know, it was not always very satisfactory. And uh, that made me think, what else do I want to do? And you know, really kind of realize that what my dad's actually doing is maybe not that bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you learn in business school that you were didn't didn't know? Like, the, was there a technical skill set that you were, you picked up there that,
0: that helped? I mean, for for me, you know, I, I, I've I've grown up around real estate, but I never worked in real estate, so I had a lot of kind of d- domain um, expertise catching up to do. Uh, so a lot of uh, a lot of my peers um, at um, uh, at Haas were, you know, those that were going into real estate had some background in real estate. So that was, you know, in terms of kind of real learning, uh, that was, I think, probably the most that I've um, I've I've picked up on. So, uh, you know, doing case studies, you know, doing coursework, and really just spending time with folks who've had, you know, four to eight years of experience in real estate prior to business school uh, was was kind of the most helpful. You know, in addition to. Obviously, what a lot of people say is uh, networking and kind of other social aspects of business schools.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Then when you you came out during you know not the best time to come out of business school, and then like 09 area, how did you how did you find a job? Did you was it was business school helpful in helping you find a a role in real estate? I know a lot of uh, I work with a lot of people coming out of different real estate programs Mm -hmm. like master of real estate, and they didn't there there wasn't such a great placement program out of school, right? So they're coming to me like we're not getting any help. Was it, did you find like there was a lot of um, I mean, Berkeley is obviously a great school. So was there a lot of companies that were looking to hire people out of business school? Um, there was not necessarily in, in real estate. You know, I think as, as
0: you, you know, better than, uh, than, than most uh, real estate is just very kind of ad hoc. Uh, you know, most companies in real estate have kind of more ad hoc, you know, as needed um, hiring programs, as opposed to kind of the more structured, uh, you know, hiring programs that um, some of the you know either tech companies or consulting firms or financial institutions have, and so you know mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of uh, there wasn't a whole lot of um, on campus recruiting. It was it was more about uh, the group, which was about a dozen of us in our class, who were going into real estate, kind of working together to identify positions and uh, and kind of really network our, our way into the industry. Uh, so uh, the school was definitely helpful It provided resources, but. Uh, whereas I think for some other industries, it's it's literally the recruiting ha- is happening on campus, and it's kind of served to you in some uh, some shape or form. Um, for real estate, it was more about you got to get out there and 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 talk to people. You know, there were folks uh, as a classmate of of ours who was uh, graduating a year before me, so he was coming out, you know, finishing school in two thousand nine. So the worst time and mm. I think he did about 150 uh informational interviews um so wow. I, I didn't do that many but uh you know it, it required especially in those times tons of tons of work but in, in retrospect especially as we're kind of uh entering this part of the economic cycle uh the you know coming out of school and, and entering the the industry during the you know the 2009-2010 timeline uh I think proves to be you know I think very very good timing in terms of learning lessons that uh that i or you know we generally can uh, hopefully apply in this part of the cycle
1: yeah so how'd you get your role at jma
0: um uh, there was you know as many things happened it was uh pretty serendipitous uh, jma was looking for uh, for a summer intern um and uh, i applied uh, you know made my pitch why uh, some of the uh, some of the work that i did in consulting is directly applicable to uh, to what uh, what JMA was looking looking to do, and um, and got the summer position. I ended up kind of working part time through my second year of business school, and then uh, joined full time after I
1: graduated business school. What is it like? And you're like, I love skiing. Hire me. What was it like?
0: Uh... <laughs> you're you're not too far off.
1: Was <laughs> <laughs> it like being uh, you know, the first like? The, I guess you're kind of the low man at a totem pole. I get in a bit right when you're at one of these. Yeah. A smaller shop. What kind of work did you do when you started out there?
0: Yeah. So, uh, obviously, you know, that being 2009, um, there wasn't a whole lot of acquisition activity going on uh, at that point. So, it was really helping, uh, you know, kind of utilize, you know, essentially living up to my pitch to them saying, which was uh, I have uh, quantitative skills that I've kind of honed in for four years in consulting and can help you kind of analyze business trends that you guys are seeing and maybe help uh, make some of the existing businesses um, on the ski side and, and otherwise, uh, help them make uh, you know, more efficient, uh, help you know, help them make more profitable find new opportunities by, uh, you know, working with the teams on site and working with our asset management teams to, uh, to, you know, to, to kind of find insights uh, that you can glean from the data. So, so that was the pitch and that's kind of what I did for the summer. And that's what I did for, you know, probably an in, in initial year or two when, uh, as, as the market kind of started, um, started bouncing back and then. Uh, with the with the bounce back of the market and increasing transactional activity, starting getting more involved on the acquisition side and then kind of continued, you know, up to this day, continuing balancing both the asset management and acquisition side of the, of the business.
1: Yeah. So how long does it take for you to like, I guess, yeah, you got to kind of like earn your, earn your bones, make your bones right. And like, do all the underwriting and and do all that kind of stuff, but then eventually you can start like sourcing deals. Is that kind of the next step in, in the role of an acquisitions person?
0: Yeah, I mean every every company I think uh, is a little bit different. With uh, with JMA, you know, we're a fairly small team, so uh, there there isn't kind of structured ladder where you know you can only start sourcing deals at a, at a certain point. We encourage everybody, even the most junior folks uh, on our, on our team to, you know, to be out there talking to people and trying to source deals. So, uh, there, there is an, a seniority, uh, kind of attachment to, to, to the ability of, of, uh, of, uh, of doing that.
1: And then on the asset management side, I mean, what does that entail? Is that a lot of working with the property managers? And like, I know it's, I work with a lot mm-hmm. of asset managers and they're like so much reporting, you know, is, is there's a lot of reporting involved and, and like, how does that work? Yeah, so
0: it, I think that's uh, maybe that's the the area where having some of these more you know live assets, the assets that kind of live and breed and and operate as operating companies every day makes makes the asset management more more interesting. You know, as an example, um, uh, we are, as I mentioned, we own a restaurant in Lake Tahoe and. I uh, was um, I was on a on a phone with them yesterday when you know because of COVID we obviously had to rejigger our businesses. You're kind of hearing in, in popular media, and I'm sure from from industry people as well. Restaurants being some of the kind of most hit businesses uh, in the in the COVID environment have been working with them over the past you know three months to, to kind of pivot our business model. Uh, do the best we can in terms of uh, yeah, in terms of dining uh, at the restaurant you know, we had to cancel a lot of weddings uh, that, that we had uh, we had booked uh, but you know kind of pivoted the business towards uh, towards more more dining we expanded some of our seating outside um, uh, created uh, kind of this new concept of a essentially boat in uh, a pier bar uh, and so uh, you know coming up with creative ways to solve problems and so help uh, you know, sometimes help generate the ideas, help oversee the business plan execution, you know, if issues arise, you know, uh, help them come up with solutions and obviously motivate the team, which has been uh, especially uh, important, but also challenging during uh, during the last few
1: months. So that, that, that's the kind of stuff that falls on your plate, huh? as uh, one of the yeah. owners. You have to, That's yeah, that's pretty, that's amazing. I mean, you have to come up with these, these strategies of, of uh, executing the business during these this COVID times. It must be, Especially when you have a bunch of diverse assets. I mean, are you, you got marinas, ski resorts. I mean, you got retail. I mean, you have to go look at each each one of these assets and come up with a, a unique business plan. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not the one that's, uh, I'm not always the one who's, uh, who's coming up with the business plan. We have, uh, we hire great people on the assets. So, so they are really driving the, driving the boat that kind of served to, you know, as a as a sounding board to bounce those ideas um, uh, off of me and, and work with them collaboratively to, to you know uh, to to execute it. But uh, yeah, yeah, many of our businesses are very different, and so you are coming with you know essentially kind of custom tailored solutions to, to each of them. And you know that's true for, for other partners at, at JM or other folks in the um, in a in a company. Uh, that are involved on a, on the asset management side. It's uh, you know whether it's uh, hotels or if it's uh, if it's retail, all of those uh, uh, all of those property types have been have been pretty challenged over the last uh, several months. And coming up with uh, with solutions that work uh, fundamentally for the business plan execution, but also work uh, relative to our capital structure on those uh, on those assets, has been something that we've been obviously just like everybody else, pretty busy over the last few months. While obviously also looking at new opportunities.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Where, I mean, so where, where, what's the direction? I mean, I, I guess it's hard to tell with COVID happening right now, but like, I guess pre-COVID what was, what was, or, and now, like what, what were you, was JMA looking at and what directions were you looking at? Similar type of assets? And like you said you, you grow, you've grown into two new markets.
0: Yeah. So, uh, we've grown into two new markets over the last probably, you know, four or five years. Um, and, uh, uh, want to continue looking at those markets you know we uh, obviously we're continuing to be bullish on bay area and, and and california uh but you know there there are certain uh um, certain trends and certain dynamics that i think are pushing people to move out of california and some of the you know two of the beneficiaries of that of the migration tend to be uh arizona and uh, and uh, nevada and so we've kind of identified those two markets um as uh as places to Seek opportunities, so we're very much focused on those, um, but but other markets as well. Prior to uh, prior to COVID, and and we'll continue to, uh, you know, I think COVID might actually accelerate some of that, um, some of those trends. So we'll continue looking at those, Um, and then um, uh, we, you know, we continue to believe, you know, despite the impact that that COVID has on hospitality and 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 leisure, we continue to believe in. in kind of strong path for those for those asset types going forward i think the trend of people uh, especially the higher earners of spending more on um, um, on experiences and services uh, relative to to goods uh, is, is a trend that's you know uh, that's kind of fundamental trend that uh, COVID might might some, somewhat slow down or you know put a put a bit of a pause but that trend will continue and uh, we want to uh, we want to invest in real estate in a way that benefits
1: from that trend. What does a good deal look like for JMA? Like, what are you looking for in, in an asset to buy it? So it's a good question.
0: Um, so what we're looking at is uh, we oftentimes look at opportunities um, where you really kind of have to solve some some problems. So opportunities that a lot of people are just going to look at and say, not not for us. Uh, we we don't often enter kind of very competitive situations. Um, as I mentioned, we're you know kind of on an opportunistic value add of the spectrum. So. There really needs to be a problem, whether it's a development uh, or it's a it's a kind of repositioning issue, or uh, it needs to be kind of releasing play. There needs to be a real value add for us, and I know it's a cliche to say, it, but there needs to be a real value add for us to do. Otherwise. You know, uh, it's it's probably not an asset for us. So, so good deal looks for us uh, a, a deal a project that has been you know under managed or under capitalized or has had some other uh, impediments uh, that that prevented from kind of achieving achieving its full full potential. Mm. And um, those impediments are um, kind of fit what our core competencies are. So, uh, we believe that we can we can solve those. Um, and you know, especially if that deal comes to us. Uh, in a um, in a kind of relationship-based uh, uh, kind of relationship uh, path as opposed to a kind of fully marketed uh, competitive process uh, that obviously further kind of increases its attractiveness uh, to us.
1: Nice. Um, one question kind of not really related to this topic, but I'm always fascinated by doing business in other countries uh-huh. uh, and how they do every country is so different. I mean, what's, you haven't, you know you're not you're not investing in Slovakia, but like what what is the big difference between like doing a real estate deal in, in Slovakia and the US?
0: Yeah, no, it's a uh, so my my window into investing in uh, in Slovakia or you know Central Europe um, has been fairly narrow. You really just come through prism of my 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 dad's experience. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's, it's much simpler, you know, at least kind of his business model is much simpler. He, he does not use third-party capital at all. So, uh, he doesn't have outside investors. So it's a, it's a very simple capital stack. Uh, and, um, uh, that's true. I think for a lot of uh, kind of mid, um, sized, you know, small and mid-sized uh, sponsors and developers, uh, in those countries, there's, there's just, uh, not a kind of history and, uh, and kind of established business model of of um, of sourcing third party uh, third party equity on on that kind of small to mid size scale. There's there's larger developers that you know they're kind of doing high rise projects or doing kind of larger size projects, and those are you know very similar to uh, to, to any other you know uh, large sponsor that you would encounter here in the U.S. Uh, and there's there's definitely equivalents of kind of large private equity funds uh, that are established there as well, uh, mm-hmm. but that kind of level of sophistication seems to be more confined to those uh, that kind of top tier, and that that middle tier is is um, you know is, is simpler. I think it it you know it seems that it's similar to how a lot of folks did real estate in the U.S. You know twenty thirty years ago.
1: Yeah, I think it's fascinating when I have I have clients I work with that also invest into other countries and they have to like mm-hmm. learn the, the culture there and how they do things and maybe have an on the ground yeah. partner and it's, just, it's kind of fascinating. Um, awesome. So now you're a partner at JMA. Um, that's great. So you you're helping shape the vision of the company I, I'm sure. And, um, are you guys opening up other offices? You have anything in mind the next couple of years?
0: Uh, Probably not. Uh, not offices. We we do have a uh, uh, few few of uh, my colleagues that uh, that kind of work uh, outside of uh, uh, outside of where we have offices. So we have offices in uh, San Francisco, Sacramento, and Lake Tahoe, and uh, we have uh, team members that are uh, based in Phoenix and and LA. We had uh, team members previously based in Reno and Vegas. So we have a few folks working remotely, and you know we're obviously. Uh, what's going on uh, right now, and maybe kind of greater acceptance of, of remote work. Uh, we might take advantage of that and and you know strategically position maybe a few other folks in other markets. Uh, uh, you know that can help source those opportunities in those markets and being boots on the ground. As as we all know, it's a uh, it's still a very local business and you know there's no replacement uh, for having somebody on the ground and being you know being present in the market and being able to network. So no. Uh, no plans to open an office but uh you know this kind of approach is probably more likely for us
1: yeah it's pretty cool yeah you're taking advantage of this like hey um i think most people are kind of scared and you guys might be taking advantage of that's pretty cool um and it is kind of amazing that you how you can you know people and real estate companies are are handling this covid situation so thanks for sharing with us how you know you're, you're uh doing like at the marina and and, uh, canceling weddings. I'm sure it must be very painful as well, but you have to really get, get creative with ways of, of, of of making these assets um, still function. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So are you ready for the hot seat? Certainly. Let's do it. The hot seat is sponsored by KK reset. KK reset is an HR management and outsourcing consulting firm that specializes in helping organizations to reset their culture, structure, and path. They outsource it to KK Reset. KK Reset comes in, maybe sits on site a couple days a week and provides you know everything you need from an HR perspective for your, for your firm. So it's a great uh, resource for those shops who just maybe doesn't make sense for them to have in-house HR function. Um, so please check them out at kkreset.com. K-K-R-E-S-E-T.com. All right, let's get, let's get hot. All right. Um, any books that you recommend, whether it's related to life, Real estate, whatever.
0: Um, I uh, frankly don't have tons of time to read books. Uh, however, as I mentioned, I'm, uh, I'm a pretty big cyclist. So I do uh, do a lot of uh, audio books uh, when, I, when I ride. And uh, mm. one of them, then my wife always makes fun of me when I reference that I'm reading a book. She, she always says, no, you're, you're yeah. just listening to it. You're not reading. Uh, so uh just just to be very clear As, I, us book readers look
1: down on you book listeners uh,
0: yeah uh, that, that that seems to be the case <laughs> so uh so I just to make sure I don't misrepresent it I'm not reading it but I'm listening to Steve Schwartzman's book uh what it takes um okay. it's been uh, it's been a great uh great story so far uh what else um I liked uh, ca- recently uh read catch and kill uh, was, you know, uh, one of the New York Times bestsellers at um, uh, forbes
1: what's that is that a fiction or is that a is that a nonfiction
0: no it's the uh, it's the harvey weinstein story oh yeah. okay shit. Yeah. okay. Uh, so, unfortunately, it is not fiction. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow. Uh, and then uh, Ed Thorpe's uh, Man for All the Markets uh, was one that I read uh, last year, but it was, uh, it was probably one of the best books I've read in a, in a few years. Uh, one, oh, really? What's that about? He, uh, he was a mathematician, or, or is, I think he's still alive, mathematician, and he was a guy who invented or was one of the kind of first uh, folks who have kind of moved into card counting and was banned from a lot of the vegas casinos you know kind of really applied oh. mathematics and statistics to uh, the gambling and kind of changed the face of las vegas gambling and i think some of the game rules that are in place right now are direct result of his ability to, to kind of beat the game and moved into you know tried to do the same thing with roulette and other other games but then he also um i think what, what he's best known for is he started a um and I'm blanking on the name of the fund. It might've been, it um, uh, doesn't matter, but he started a, a hedge fund. Uh, it was kind of, I think one of the mm-hmm. first uh, kind of quant hedge funds um, in the US certainly. So uh, a fascinating life story, kind of how he moved from academia to, uh, to essentially gambling, to realizing that he wanted to, to use his skills in a, in a different way than just to uh, be in academia and then move to be one of the kind of first quant uh, hedge fund guys.
1: Any, I usually ask podcasts with podcast recognition, but I'm going to ask you what shows you're watching since everyone's trying to find new shows during our quarantine. Anything good on TV? Yeah,
0: don't watch tons of TV. You know, tend to do more. You know, Netflix documentaries. Uh, I I do have to admit, kind of guilty pleasure. I did watch uh, uh, Tiger King uh, at the beginning of the (laughs) uh, of the and you know yeah uh, despite all of its faults it was pretty pretty good entertainment but uh no no shows more uh, more recently <laughs> uh I, I do listen to, to podcasts still you know less than uh, th- less, okay, and, good. less than Touch i did like. uh when you know when i was commuting to work but uh, uh one of the favorite ones that i have is uh i don't know if you know uh, if you ever listened to scott Galloway. Scott, no, Galloway, Galloway, Scott Galloway, not Galloway, it's Galloway. he's a <laughs> marketing professor at uh, Columbia uh, or NYU, NYU, um, and uh, he has he has a bunch of different podcasts. But there's one called Pivot that he does with Kara Swisher, uh, who's a, a tech business journalist, uh, and they just you know they just have great chemistry and kind of go back and forth. And it's very much business of technology, which is obviously very relevant for all of us in the Bay Area.
1: Pretty cool. I haven't heard that one. Um, now you mentioned a couple of things, but I'll ask you the question anyways. What do you like to do outside of work?
0: So yeah, uh, outdoors, biking, skiing. Um, you, we have a three year old at home, so uh, oh. so dealing with everything that it, you know that it entails uh, yeah. is is uh, taking up a lot of the uh, out of work. Uh, they take uh, up the a lot time. of time.
1: Those kids. I the,
0: they do. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much it.
1: Cool. Um, what advice would you give to your 20 year old self?
0: Probably, um, I think one of the things that, um, as I started applying to business schools, for example, I I realized, um, was that I didn't really know how certain industries work at all. And so I wish, you know, I took some, some, some time, uh, whether it was kind of later in college, or or even in my kind of early days in consulting, to to meet with people and kind of network with people in different industries, um, yeah. uh, you know, now through business school, I have connections and have friends in many different industries, and find it very, uh, you know, very interesting and uh, and kind of exhilarating to to talk to folks and understand business issues in different industries. I, I wish I, I kind of had the foresight to do some of that when I was when I was twenty and could you know leverage either my college network or you know even kind of family network to to kind of get talk business with with people who were you know 10 20 years ahead of me in in various businesses not just in the in the in the
1: industry that i'm in it's so hard to find out like what other businesses are out there yeah. right when you're 20 yeah. years old like that's, what, that's one of the reasons i got into recruiting i didn't know really know what, what i wanted to do and i was like well, i guess the best way to find out what d- different types of jobs are like to work as a recruiter and so that's kind of yeah. how I, I fell into it. Yeah, I mean even um, even
0: even in real estate right? It's uh you have this kind of you know concept of real estate but there's so many different uh, roles and so many different segments in real estate and it's uh, from outside it's very hard to uh to know un- until you start talking to a bunch of people who are in uh, in a kind of different parts of the ecosystem.
1: Yeah, like mean, who would have known like I you don't think of real estate like oh the, a company owns marinas and ski resorts. <laughs> it's like it doesn't you know what I mean? It doesn't you think of maybe an apartment building or a house or something. Um, now what do you look for in hiring people or, you know, finding partners in your deals? Like what types of qualities are maybe not necessarily technical qualities, but maybe just, um, soft skills. They have to be good skiers. Just, just kidding. <laughs> uh,
0: no, um, but not better than you though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh hit that sweet spot. Uh, no, uh, Obviously you know need to be you know good people, uh, you know solid character, need to be smart, uh, you know all the all the kind of basics. Uh, we We look for people who uh, who can wear many hats, you know, being kind of you know midsize uh, shop. Uh, we need people that uh, that are able to do you know both acquisitions, asset management, can kind of jump into various roles and enjoy that enjoy that kind of change that they don't they don't like being being kind of pigeonholed into into one area of responsibility and are kind of really willing to roll their sleeves up and and really do do anything so that's important to us attention to detail. Um, you know, that's, that's something that obviously is when you're working with, um, with institutional investors, um, and working on some of these assets where, um, you know, oftentimes the, the kind of the rule of 80, 20, uh, certainly still does apply, but you know, sometimes you do need to get it to at 90%, uh, you know, for the consumer to, to notice if you're running some of these customer facing businesses. Um, so attention to detail. And then, you know, for, for me personally, common sense, uh, just, uh, you know, being not just kind of book smart, but being able to apply just common sense in in many, you know, many situations. Um, I think that's that's kind of one of the things that I really test people for during interviews.
1: Well, Jan, you have a very, very interesting story. Thank you for sharing with us. I really appreciate yeah, happy
0: it. Happy to. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the time and uh, enjoy your weekend. Uh, sounds like you have some good travel plans. So have fun.
1: Yeah, man. Well, actually, when when are people skiing yet, or like when can we go back skiing? Uh, I saw a video
0: of some people still skiing in the backcountry in Tahoe, but uh, you should be you should be back to skiing in the, you know hopefully in November. Uh, you know. It, We'll we'll see how COVID impacts uh, the industry. You know, as you, you might have or might have not seen, uh, pretty much all of the uh, all of the skiers in the U.S. shut down about a month early uh, this year. So I think there's some mm-hmm. pent-up demand. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll get the, the modern age will cooperate and we'll get an early snow this season. So as we say, right oh, I'm now. looking
1: forward to your 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 invite to the uh, JMA chalet. You're, at, you're invited. In, uh, in <laughs>
0: All right, right, man. Have a good one. Thank you.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the TBG real estate podcast. Please visit us online at tbg-realestate.com or on Instagram at tbg.realestate. Until next time, have a great week.